Hey there, we're the West Slot Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowski. Well guys, as we get ready to start our summer previews into the upcoming 2021 Northwestern football season, um, just kind of wanted to catch everyone up see see kind of lots been going on and i know we've been quiet the past few weeks but uh you know before we get started just wanted to remind everyone to uh find us on facebook find us on twitter at westlaw pirates uh leave us a review on itunes or apple podcasts or wherever you're listening to your podcast you know those five-star reviews uh really do go a long way to helping the algorithm and helping us get out to more and more people um as we're starting our previews we we found you know as in the years and years we've been doing this this is what people are really into uh so if you like what we do tell a friend you know show show us to someone who may not be listening to us and if you like what you have been hearing share you know spread the word share the love um you know we definitely football is coming that. y'all absolutely yeah. winter winter is coming <laughs> yeah we're this is something right that i think our audience has grown so much even in the past couple of years that I think, you know, a lot of our audience has maybe only been on board for, for one or two of the sets of previews. Um, and a lot of you haven't even, you know, gone through one of these cycles. But this is something that we take a lot of pride in and kind of a, a niche that we sort of fell into. Um, you know, we've, I don't know if we were doing these, do you guys remember the first year we started doing them? I don't know. I feel like I we, don't know if we, we, we did them from the very start. Yeah, we may, maybe we have, um, but we put a lot of effort into these. We, a lot we, of, we got better. <laughs> yeah, we got, we got better. Um, we put a lot of effort into these. Um, and I mean, they're, they're not without snark, especially if Nebraska is involved or but, Minnesota or yeah, Minnesota, but we we try to kind of give the unvarnished truth, you know, of really what we think. And we put a lot of research behind it. And, and it goes to all the research we do and all the football we've watched of all of these teams. And we try to build several years worth of stuff into it. When we're evaluating a team, you know, we're evaluating the long view. And we're able to look back at the previews we've done. Okay, what did we get right the year before? What did we get right or wrong, you know, going back two years? Are we seeing a trend? And, um, yeah, you know, the, the I've, trend I've, is Purdue's defense still sucks. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's funny the just, you know, as a little bit of a teaser of, you know, where we're going to start in a couple of weeks. I mean, I've been doing some research, uh, you know, on Ohio state's defense and looking at a couple of things. And let me tell you, like, especially when you look for, for example, at the secondary for Ohio state and you've done six or seven years ago and you can evaluate like let's say the urban meyer slash ryan day era um and see the way certain things prop up it, it, it you know a lot of things come up so again it's just it's just something we we put a lot of work into these we know a lot of you love them and i think right the, the plan sammy is to to get started on these a little earlier than we even have in the past yeah i think uh within the next week or two weeks we'll be starting our first uh, summer previews so um like i say Tell a friend, share us uh, on whatever social media you use. Uh, you know, we we love the listeners and we lo- love to keep growing the podcast. So uh, definitely would appreciate any and all 
uh, sharing and ratings and whatever we can do to to get that algorithm pumping in our favor. And while and while we're while we're pumping up the excitement levels, um, I'm I'm going to say this on the podcast, which is going to force us all to commit to it. Like we're like we're going to get a Westlaw Pirates T-shirt out this year. Yeah. Uh, commemorate the you know the coming of the season. Um, hopefully we'll have a little bit of fun with it and uh, give an opportunity for for folks to jump in, rep the pot a little bit, but also, you know, who doesn't need another, uh, awesome fun Northwestern t-shirt, uh, to, to prep for the fall, especially, especially that like all, all other things being equal. Sounds like there's going to be a lot of in-person football this year, finally, uh, which is going to be great. Yeah. Can't wait for that. Um, before we talk about, uh, football, which we definitely have some news and notes to go on that front. Um, we do need to wrap up the spring uh, sports seasons with some postseason play from uh, the lacrosse team and softball. Um, you know, I you know just looking back, we hadn't talked about any of the NCAA tournament for the Northwestern lacrosse team. Um, obviously, did not end the way we had hoped, uh, losing to Syracuse in the Final Four. But you know, just a, what a run! Just absolutely demolishing Denver in that first game and then, you know, laying it to Duke. It's, it's so, it's so interesting how the, the tournament played out because that, that opening game against Denver is basically, you know, teams have tried to defend Northwestern in a bunch of different ways all year. And, and frankly, nobody has succeeded. Denver's approach was, well, we're just going to try to, check the hell out of these these girls and try to get them out of their rhythm and um denver was way over aggressive took a ton of early penalties um and you know fell into a hole that they had frankly no hope of getting out of and um what's kind of ironic is that almost feels like how how the northwestern syracuse game started i mean northwestern was over over aggressive um also suffered from some early game struggles on the offensive end, much like they did against Duke. They, they were not hitting shots. Um, we can dig into some stats on that in a minute here, but I like it's kind of, for me, it's kind of the bookend on the tournament. It, you know, D- Denver, I mean, if Denver hadn't taken a, that approach, I think Northwestern still would have mopped the floor with them. Um, but against Syracuse, it like just kind of some unforced errors and, and, and turnovers and, and, sloppy play and over aggression early on. And that, that sealed the deal. The cats couldn't, couldn't ever quite overcome that. And they, they came like second half. It turned on, like they started, they started that comeback and they got within like one or two goals, uh, before Syracuse just kind of flipped the switch. We took another penalty or two and, uh, they kind of just ran away with it. Yeah. Down the stretch. But, uh, yeah. 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 It was, it was rough. And, it's it was strange because I mean I, I almost think back to, to last season right where the offense was also on fire but you had the cats you know were winning these super high scoring games or I mean when I say last season I guess I'm really going back two seasons but to you know when there was that offensive juggernaut that the cats had that was kind of defensively challenged and was playing these unbelievably exciting real shootout games um, and you know this season the defense has has been better and. Um, to the point that when the Duke, the start to the Duke game started, it kind of felt like a little bit of an anomaly and just this expectation that, oh, this will just course correct. And it quickly did. And I think 
the the other thing compounding that situation was this first half of the Duke game was running concurrently with the second half of the North Carolina game where North Carolina, I think they were playing Stony Brook um, and they were hanging on for dear life in that game and they were trailing late. They rallied, I think really in the, the, the second half of the second half um, and took the lead. And while they were doing that, Northwestern was quickly straightening itself out and just ended up blowing the doors off of Duke. So I think everyone just kind of flushed that and you only revisited it when the slow start happened against Syracuse. But the whole thing just had this really bizarre feel because first of all, and multiple people pointed this out, the announcers seemed to be slanted toward Cuse like very much early in the game. East Coast bias well on display. It was really weird because it was like, we're the second, you know, it was like all these Duke players are getting spot shouted and, you know, like, much less is being said, like Izzy Skin. Now, granted, like she wasn't lighting up the goal, but you're talking about someone who, you know, this is someone who was just torching the scoring sheet, you know, in NCAA lacrosse all season long. So there was that aspect to it. And then, yeah, it just, it was this perfect storm of Northwestern was, you know, committing, you know, penalties. There were players getting sent off. Duke scored, um, Kind of a, a, I mean, not you, you mean Duke, Syracuse. Syracuse scored this cluster of goals where two of them came on on counterattacks where Madison Doucette was just out of goal and you know with they it happened so quick that she wasn't able to recover in time and and got in um, at least two were when we were one or two players down um, and that's not to say that that Syracuse just didn't look great on offense they did but it was like. It was all of these things compounding each other at the same time, and then their their goalie was out there standing on her head and and stopping us. And then, like Sam said, they went on this furious rally um, at the end, but it was you know at a breakneck pace. I mean, and to Syracuse's credit, they played really well. But who, who did um, who won the championship between Syracuse and BC? B- I never BC even won that. BC oh, won. Wow. And and what was so crazy too is. Um, BC had a player who ended up setting the single season scoring mark. Yeah, Charlotte, which North. felt so bizarre because she that had felt, five more games than it, Izzy Skane. It just... felt right, exactly, and that felt like Izzy Skane's record all season long, and that was just so. So it was just so. It was just a, a bizarre end to the year, and just to watch the the goals not falling, and and it stunk well, to. I, I, no, can, go ahead. I, I want to dig into to a couple things because I like I think what frustrated me most in in the during the game and in the aftermath and and I, I like the commentary notwithstanding I mean Syracuse was if not preseason number one they were preseason number one B right like like right there with UNC I think you know everybody in the in the lacrosse world had done. And they hadn't been full strength for most. Yeah, of the they had lost a couple of players, including I forget who the, the their their best returning player was, but someone who was like an odds-on favorite to win the the Twarton Ward going into the season, right? So, but what was interesting to me, and I, I noticed a couple critical things in that first half. So first of all, you know this Northwestern team, we talked about it all year, right? Incredible offense. That's something that they they've been building up over the last couple of years. But the draw controls and the defense were were on par with Northwestern you know, dominant teams of the past for the first time, really since the, since the, the tail end of the national championship years. So first and foremost, Syracuse neutralized Northwestern's advantage in the, in the, in the draw circle. Um, Northwestern only 
won 14 draw controls. That's seven less than in both of the two previous uh, tournament games. Um, 12 is the lowest they had all year. Usually they were they were close to 20 or, or just below. So uh, Syracuse took that advantage away early. Secondly, one, one of the things I noticed against both Denver and Duke, Northwestern, after a turnover or, or um, you know, a saved goal or whatever, when the other team is possessing the ball and trying to clear their own zone, Northwestern is tenacious in defending that. And you saw against Syracuse them create a ton of turnovers, get some nice scoring chances, especially in the second half. I thought Syracuse was incredibly smart in the way they used their 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 goalie, um, participating actively in, in moving the ball out, out, and, and clearing it. I think that really neutralized one of the prime advantages of Northwestern's offense um, or of Northwestern's defense, which is that their offensive players, Lauren Gilbert in particular are incredible at defending um, that clear line or the, the ride, I think as they call it. Um, so I like those two elements in, in tandem, I think really neutralized Northwestern's advantage. And then Syracuse just dominated possession so much. And I, like I was getting frustrated because I felt like, you know, I, th- I think to her credit, Izzy Skane is is one to sit back and kind of assess how, how a game plan is playing out early on in a game. And, and there's this you know story in the Duke game, right? Northwestern gets down six to one. Uh, Monte Hiller calls a timeout and Skane says, coach, we got this. And then they just start bombing goals, right? Against Syracuse, I'm I'm sure there was a similar similar thought where, where Skane is thinking like, I don't need to just start chucking it from from outside the eight meter mark like I, like I don't need to to be blasting away here I need to be setting up my teammates drawing the defense like working the system right that's that's what she should do but Northwestern had an off game shooting uh, they were only 40 percent 43 percent shot percentage overall their shots on goal were were right on par with their season average so I mean this was saves by the, their goalie the Sy- had a great Syracuse game yeah. yeah the Syracuse goaltender had a great game and then um, they, I mean, there were a lot of like opportunities where the cast just kind of got blocked or caught up in traffic on their way to the, to the goal. It felt like, but I like, I felt like in that first half Skeen touched the ball, maybe six times, maybe had one shot, didn't really have an opportunity to attack at all. And then you saw her in the second half, just start flinging it at the net and scoring from distance. And that kind of sparked some of the comeback, but it felt like it got, it, it felt like it took way too long to get to that moment. It'd be really interesting to see come next season when she's a senior, assuming she comes back, just how aggressive and and how how much earlier in games she exerts her dominance because it's it's I mean, once she starts attacking, it's um it's a palpable change. Yeah, it was. I mean, that's you you want to look ahead. I mean, again, it was like a bummer because you've got you know top players. I mean, I think Lauren Gilbert, right? This is finishing up her career. Um, there was a rough moment. Girardi as well. Girardi, Girardi got, I think what her, her Her second second yellow yellow card and, and had to come off and, you know, was just kind of a wreck on the sideline. And cause I think she, I mean, she knew, I mean, the cats were trying to pull off the comeback, but that was, that that was going to be it. And just to have it come to an end like that was rough to watch. And it was rough to watch these girls who, I mean, especially, I mean, I don't know if they knew, but North Carolina had been eliminated prior to the start of this game. They were the top remaining seed. And I think they had, and with good reason, a reason to think that the the road was there. So it's a bummer and, and for sure. And I think they'll, they'll definitely be feeling like they, 
they potentially left one now out there. But like so, Scott so said, this I is mean, an a ton in, of talent. This is an back. interesting point, though. Um, just wanted to mention because all three of them could come back. Lauren Gilbert, Brennan Dwyer, and Jill Girardi could all come back for another season because of the COVID year. So that they, is interesting. They could come back as super seniors. Whether they will or not remains to be seen. But they all could come back. That that's interesting. That's something that, of course, I. I have in the back of my mind because of something that we're going to talk about later when we get to women's basketball, but um, right. Like keeping track of what people, whether, whether or not people use these years and how they use these years is a, is a fascinating thing, but you're right. No, it's, it'll be an interesting thing to, to see what happens. Um, well, and interestingly, there were a lot of other teams that brought back uh, players this season. And one of the things, and one of the things the announcers were talking about, with Syracuse in, in the game against us, which was, I, I think, interesting, is unlike so many other teams that were, you know, senior laden and tenure laden, Syracuse like all like yeah they were all young. their top players have been injured right, and so it was freshmen and sophomores kind of coming up and and showing up. I, I, was it was it Ward, um, who who was just so effective uh, behind the goal and um, who's a, I think a freshman on Syracuse who played played spectacularly well in that in that in that game yeah they were they were stacked but again it's like even if if those girls who have the extra year of eligibility come back great and if they don't i mean izzy skein's gonna have a chance to etch her name in all the record books next year um and that's gonna be awesome yeah, to see g- so give her a full season let her st- let her score the six plus goals a game <laughs> exactly exactly yeah, that that record that that BC players record. We'll see. We'll see how long that lasts. A hundred. That's we'll the magic like, number, right? How many years did Ricky Williams' record last before Ron Dane broke it? That was <laughs> same same kind of thing. Uh, also, um, got to mention uh, softball, which squeaked into the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, went to a, a regional at uh, University of Kentucky. Uh, ended up losing to Kentucky twice, but uh, I believe they beat Miami of Ohio to make it to the, the championship game in that uh, in that kind of the pod or the the regional. Um, disappointing end to the softball season, but uh, you know, the fact that they made the tournament, you know, they started off the season really really hot. They kind of struggled a little bit you know, on the back half of the schedule, but. Still had enough to uh, to get into the tournament, and uh, you know, hats off to them. I mean, hell of a run for the for the softball team. It it really was. I mean, they were, you know, they were virtually undefeated in conference. You know, early in the year, they had that really tough series against Minnesota, where I think three of the games or two of the games went to extras, and another was very close. Um, Daniel Williams throws the the, the perfect game at Iowa. Uh, just just an incredible run, and and then yeah, toward the end of the year, they just they seem to run out of some gas and seem to struggle. What's interesting, like that first game against Kentucky, they took it to the wire. I mean, they lost three to two. They 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 scored a run to get within one in in the in the last half inning. Um, they were very very. They had the, they had the lead. Uh, Maeve Nelson hit a two run homer early or a, a solo homer early on. They were up one one zero, and they just. They couldn't quite ice it. Um, they come back and hammer Miami of Ohio, and then and then uh, lost the final game to to Kentucky uh, pretty convincingly. But like 
I mean, you look you look at all this. I, I look at how close they were with with Minnesota. They, you know, that series against Michigan. Similarly, they win the first game on an incredible performance by Williams. They come really close in the second, and then things kind of fall apart in the in 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 the rubber match. Like this team was so close, and I think we had you know we had a friend of the pod uh, Tom McGrath asked us um, after after they got knocked out, like, it, you know, was this their shot? Are they are they done? Um, and the answer is, well, Dan- assuming Daniel Williams comes back for her senior year, like hell no, they ain't done. Cause, um, have, you know, having an ACE is where it all starts. We know that there's talent on this team. We know they've recruited well, et cetera. So, uh, excited to see how they show up next year. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, it's the, I think back to, you know, the, the last postseason appearance and then this postseason appearance and to your point, right. It's like the, you're, we're always waiting to see the cats bats come alive against the top level of competition. And I feel like that's kind of like the last hurdle. And that's the the last thing that we're waiting to see. And I think the bats are there and the talent is there. Um, and yeah, they're this, this Dan, like you said, the Danielle Williams era is by no means over or really even close to over. And right. I think they're, this team is going to go to the postseason again. And I think they're just looking for that spark, looking to play, you know, at Kentucky, one of these top 15, top 10 teams in the postseason and find the bats when they need them. And I think they're going to get there. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll definitely be seeing big things from this team over the next year to two years. Uh, one last kind of thing to mention um, from the spring sports uh, kind of arena um, baseball finished up their season and the next day, uh, Spencer Allen, uh, the manager of the baseball team, announced he's he's stepping down. Um, you know, he said he's he needs to, he wants to go spend more time with his family. Um, so it sounds like he's you know, retiring from coaching for now. And uh, you know, I, I guess his wife is from the Pacific Northwest, and you know, this season being what it was, you know, he wants to spend time at home. Like we've been saying all along, you cannot begrudge anyone who wants to spend more time with their family, especially, uh, you know, this past year and a half. Yeah. I mean, this is like, I certainly don't begrudge, you know, him at all. And, and I hope that this is the right decision for, for him and his family and what he wants to do. I, it's, it's obviously a bummer for Northwestern. Cause I think there was, um, and let's call it a mini turnaround going on with the baseball team. And they were, uh, performing better. They had a really nice start to this season. I think, um, you know, we'd seen Sean Gusenberg really emerge this year and hitting the cover off the ball, uh, look, looking really strong. You know, there was a lot of excitement when Allen took the job initially, and it's a bummer. But, um, you know, we'll see what happens. Hopefully hopefully the team can mo- maintain momentum, and uh, and hopefully that this is, you know, the right the right move for um, – for Alan and, and, and for what his, he and his family need right now. All right. So with, with spring sports kind of wrapped up, we look, we start to look ahead. Um, you know, June 1st uh, showed the beginning of, well, I guess the lifting of uh, over, you know, uh, the recruiting dead period that had stretched all the way back to March of 2020 throughout the entire pandemic but now, starting as of June 1st, recruits are able to come to campus. And just looking around college football and college sports in, in their entirety, the number of high school kids coming to campuses 
is off the charts because you know everyone's been wanting to get out to campus and see what's going on. And now I know we've got uh, Northwestern has a bunch of recruits coming in this weekend uh, for official visits, which they haven't been able to do in over a year. It's awesome. A shout out to Louis Vacare, who has, I mean, again, this is his corner. We all know this, like Northwestern recruiting has been his corner forever. Um, but he totally understands the significance of this, understands the significance of the moment of this month of, you know, the, the floodgates opening, as you said, and the level of big time recruits who are coming in and he's actually been doing these official visitor profiles of a lot of these guys coming in which has been fantastic but I mean you're talking you know four-star defensive linemen four-star offensive linemen I mean I think there are just a bunch of big names and a bunch of big time you know marquee three-star recruits coming in too and it's it's a lot even for us it's a lot to kind of stay on top of of just this just sheer volume and um he's been an invaluable resource but it's it's going to be a hot month for sure because a lot of big time guys are coming in for officials and uh, we're going to see um, how much of that bears fruit and when it bears fruit. I don't have anything. Uh, okay. Here. Okay. <laughs> um, and also uh, from the football side of things, a number of game times were announced uh, for this upcoming year. Uh, we've got. Uh, the season opener Friday night against Michigan State. I believe that's an eight o'clock kick. Uh, we've got a night game at Nebraska. Speaking of Nebraska, um, twenty twenty two, end of August, Dublin, Ireland, Northwestern versus Nebraska. I, I'm not going to say I didn't check on plane tickets. Uh, it's a little bit out of the window that uh, you can book, but uh, yeah. Cats are going to Ireland, guys. Some wild shit. Let's be honest. Like, no, like nobody saw this coming. Like, what? Like, yeah. I, I mean, it's, it is, it's wild, and I think it's, it's wild to the extent that I'm sure there's a whole f- fraction of our audience who's been like, you guys have just been burying the lead this entire pod. How come we haven't talked about the Ireland game yet? Um, it is. It's a big deal. Um, it's. It's a let's be honest, bigger deal for Nebraska. How did they get in on this? I'm like, <laughs> I'm kind of like, I'm kind of like, I mean, like, feel free. And we're and you're getting a night game in Lincoln against us. What more? What can we do? Help us help you, Nebraska. What more can we do for you? <laughs> um, but the, I think the well, hey, I um, will Scott Frost be the coach of Nebraska in Ireland? Oh, good question. Good question. I feel like I, that's a legitimate question, right? If they don't, if they don't have a winning season, he's not going to be there. I'll say that. Um, I, think I think the same thing. Yeah, I, I, I'm like I'm doing all this off the cuff. I haven't looked at his contract or his buyout or any of that sort of sort which, of stuff. Which but. and just just to keep track, just for anyone who's not Nebraska hasn't had a winning season their last four seasons, so that would be five in a row. <laughs> just just for everyone scoring at home. Um, but yeah, no, totally. I mean, but again. In terms of the game, it's it's weird for me because on one hand, it is. It's such a big deal. It's a big event to be a part of and everything. There's this whole Chicago area thing baked into it, though, that that just is inextricably linked to Notre Dame, right? And I think at the beginning of the season, 
when we went on, you know, did Jay Sharman's Sacred Saturdays thing and we're talking about the Notre Dame game, you know, the famous 95 Notre Dame game. Um, and the watching the tape of that again on YouTube and it begins with this just saccharine laced long form ad for the upcoming North uh, Notre Dame Ireland game against Navy. And it's it was just so over the top and everything, but it was so Notre Dame, right? And I think it's weird because it's like our coach's name, Pat Fitzgerald. One of our, you know, our biggest <laughs> booster with a bullet's name is Pat Ryan. Like that is, there is a huge Irish percentage of the Northwestern alumni base, right? Um, and so it's like, I get all of those things, but at the same time, Northwestern ain't Notre Dame. And I just think of, of the, you know, our own friend group when we were at Northwestern. And, you know, Sam's from Colorado. Scuzz is from Minnesota. I'm from New Hampshire. We have a really good friend from Brazil. You know, um, you, I briefly dated a girl from Missouri, another girl from Washington. Like, we had friends from California, like everywhere. And it's just, it's much more... It's a much more, it's just, it's much less regional school than Notre Dame, and it's a much less Irish school. So again, it's it's just weird. It's all great. It's great to be traveling to another country and playing. It's just strange because it's it's literally the thing Notre Dame did for so many years. Um, and we are very much not Notre Dame, and I don't want us to become Notre Dame. Like, that's, that's not the goal. Um, there is the whole side piece, though, which is all speculation about when we all pulled out our calendars and realized that because of the Purdue Wrigley game, I think November 5th of this coming year is the last home game at Ryan Field. And we haven't seen the rest of the 2022 schedule, but we know our first game's in Ireland. And you come back the week well, after that. And, and you know, to go along with that, it's we're giving up a home game. You know, so right. we would have seven home games. Now we're only going to have six. One of those is in Ireland, right. and right, it's very likely that it, we're looking at a backloaded home schedule, or we're looking at playing six games at Soldier Field, or you know, yo, it's possible. It's possible. You know, um, what we're, what we're way, tiptoeing I mean, around like, here is this is possibility that this could be a, a season the 2022 season could be not at Ryan field because of it's getting renovated. That's just a theory that, you know, kind of mulling over. Right. Yeah. A preamble to renovations. It's, it's, it's certainly possible. The other thing I do want to point out is so like, it's not just Notre Dame that's played games in, in, in Ireland, you know, and, and, for those who who haven't looked at the marketing material too quickly, this is this is billed as the Aer Lingus College Football Classic. Um, doesn't quite roll off the tongue quite quite like the Cotton Bowl or anything, but um, but uh, so so Notre Dame and Navy played there in 2012. Um, Penn State and UCF played in Pennsylvania uh, in 2014, and then Georgia Tech and Boston College played there in 2016. I mean. Certainly Boston College, right. much like Notre Dame, you could make a connection to Ireland. 
Penn State and UCF ain't got nothing on like Northwestern's fair. That's fair. just as uh, as as Irish uh, centric as those teams. So I mean, there is there is a a theme and a history here of of obviously it, it's funny if you go to the website. Um, uh, they talk about so they've got something about you know the thrill and excitement of high school American football will return to Ireland, and I guess they 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 precede these college games with a a series of of uh, high school football games as well. Um, so I mean, there's certainly something here where, you know, the, the tourism, uh, industry in, in Ireland is trying to make this connection and, and et, et cetera. So like, I think it's just important to call that out. Cause like, this could just be a thing where Ireland, Ireland called us up and was like, Hey, you guys, uh, want to do this thing? And we were like, yes, of course we do. Cause I mean, it, you know, much like the Wrigley game, I mean, this is a sort of like high profile stuff. It's this is going to get Northwestern a lot of PR and a lot of a lot of top billing and talking that they wouldn't normally get. Um, save you know toward the end of the year when they're when they're closing in on another division championship and people are like forced to pay attention. So, I, like yeah, this could just be a a, a savvy um, marketing play as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, I don't want to be like grumpy Gus over here. Like I'm like this is it's great. It's super high profile, um, right? It, it's super high profile. Presents all these opportunities. It's an international game, totally. Um, it's it's a marquee game that again, to your point, like they're they're always gonna you know they're looking for anchor programs, right? Like it's like the Penn State UCF. Like it wasn't like. UCF wasn't the kicker in that game. It was getting Penn State <laughs> yeah. to come to, to come over to that game, right? And uh, Hawaii versus Rice, and, and you know, um, with all didn't Hawaii all play respect. in Australia like a couple years ago? Yeah, but I think they were playing. Uh, weren't they playing the like Arizona State? UCLA, I think. Oh, yeah. maybe that's right. Yeah. So yeah, so uh, again, it's like it's it is it's it's all great. It's a great thing. It's it's high profile thing. Um, and yeah, and it's it presents all these opportunities. So yeah, it's great. And you know, and maybe this will just be you know groundwork, and maybe we we play a game in you know France down the road or something like that. You know, that we can build on this. We can become become the world's team, become Europe's team. John, as a resident Francophile, are the French really interested in American football? I mean, I am. <laughs> <laughs> you, you might, I, John. I feel like the Venn diagram of American football fans and Francophiles is like pretty small. <laughs> like, fair. like you and your wife might take up a fair percentage of that of that overlap. You don't think um, there's anyone else recording football podcasts while drinking cognac? You think it's just, just me? Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, it's true. I mean, again, again, again. I don't want to be grumpy, Gus. This is awesome. This is it's great, um, and and if this becomes a platform for the renovations to Ryan Field, which we all sorely want, then so much the better. But um, and again, and Nebraska, happy that that we could bring you along for this fun adventure. Happy that somehow you got invited to to come along for this. Happy that that you could ride our coattails right over to Ireland for this one. So good on you, Nebraska. To the credit of the Irish tourism board or whoever, you know, orchestrated this game, like the Northwestern Nebraska series since Nebraska came to the big 10 has been like spectacular, right. In terms of, of excitement and tight finishes and a, and a pretty even, you know, match back and forth. Like, obviously we like to have a lot of fun (laughs) with Nebraska for, you know, aforementioned like Scott Frost hasn't had a winning season and 
their fan base is still living in 1994, et cetera, et cetera. But um, this, I mean, like if, if, you know, tradition informs us that this should be a pretty fun game. Yeah, absolutely. And um, that, yeah, it, it's going to be cool. And, you know, look, just kind of perusing some of the travel packages that uh, Northwestern put together. Um, there, there's some cool little, like, you know, fly into Edinburgh and do like a scotch tour, take the ferry to Belfast and then come down to Dublin. That sounds fun. I just, I just want to apologize for all of our listeners that it took me this long to think of a cranberries joke where all, all, all the Nebraska fans will no doubt be looking for a cranberries concert uh, because, you know, things that were big in the 90s in Ireland, presumably. The cr- so maybe so again, that, that's there's an opportunity. Cranberries, if you're listening, you know, the Nebraska fans would love a concert. Uh, before we get out of here, just uh, well, can, but can, can we jump yeah. back to the 2021 yeah, season absolutely. briefly? Because I, I, there were a couple things I wanted to highlight on there. One, one is you know, so opening night um, for Northwestern against Michigan State, night game on a Friday night, correct? Yes. Yeah. Um. Very, very exciting. Also, completely ruins my plan to take my two older kids up to Chicago for Labor Day weekend and catch that game on Saturday afternoon. So, um kind of refactoring things um like indiana state the following weekend scheduled at uh, 11 a.m central as predicted duke game what one week later 3 p.m in the afternoon um that's at duke tv coverage is listed as acc network which is a little anxiety inducing um given given coverage problems there but maybe there's uh maybe maybe we'll all be able to catch it on espn and streaming um and then, yeah, the night game at Nebraska later in October. And then what, Rutgers, Rutgers right, homecoming. homecoming scheduled at, at, at 11 yeah. a.m. Home, homecoming at 11 yes. a.m. That's, that's not a surprise. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously a lot more details to come out. But um, that that home that night nighttime home opener against Michigan State um, on a Friday should be a lot of fun. You know, that's, that's a team um, in a bit of disarray, a team that doesn't often draw well uh, in Chicago. And hopefully the Northwestern faithful can really make a showing that night. Um, a night where presumably Northwestern's going to have the stage mostly to themselves, right? Some summer evening breeze and revenge will be in the air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Um, and you know, more game times will be announced as we get closer and closer to the start of the season. Um, yeah, I know this is sort of that early kind of grab by all the networks on you know trying to get their top games trying to you know, get get their hooks on you know michigan ohio state and um kind of the other marquee national games uh oklahoma nebraska which is an 11 o'clock start much to the chagrin of oklahoma did, did you guys see like that that sternly worded note from the oklahoma ad you know saying how how BS it was that they're starting that early. Yeah, well, to to be fair, again, I, I not to kick the Nebraska oh, dead horse, but it. if it's gonna keep kick if it. it's gonna keep smelling and stinking up the room, like I the this is on top of Nebraska already trying to back out of this game. Yeah, even though I think it's the fortieth anniversary, right of the of the their their 
famous 1971 matchup. Um, or no, 50th? So the, was that the first F- game of the century? We've had like yeah, seven right. since. The, but, the 50th anniversary yeah. Yeah, of, the ga- of the game of the century. And, um, and Nebraska tried to back out of it. So the, oh, I mean, for obvious reasons. But so Oklahoma already had to go through that. And then, yeah, now it's been, it's been pushed way, way up. I think because Fox is really trying to, to push their, their not game day. Yeah, the, um, their, thing, which their as, Fox big noon kickoff or whatever, you know, the high noon. Yeah, whatever right, it is. Yeah. With, with a big game leading right into it. But yeah, so. Which is also why like Oklahoma, Texas is always at noon. Um, and it's a gajillion degree. Like why, like, why wouldn't you kick that game off at 7 p.m. in primetime? I just, uh, I don't know. Because you're really going to give uh, Oklahoma and Texas fans the entire day to get sauced. And then, you know, go into the, the Cotton Bowl? I mean, why not? Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, like... fair. Fair point. Fair <laughs> point. Uh, real quick before we get out of here, a um, couple women's basketball notes uh, to mention. Jordan Hamilton, um, who I think we all thought was, you know, she graduated, she was done. Um, she's taking a grad transfer year at Stanford. Good for her. That, that's that's really, really defending cool. national champs. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, it's again, it's not a loss that really hurts. I mean, I've, Jordan Hamilton's an awesome player and was awesome in her final game for Northwestern um, against Louisville. Um, she was our best player in that game. Um, so it's not that her loss isn't missed. It's that she had graduated and this is effectively like that, that bonus year. And she's able to, to transfer and use that year. We were not expecting her to come back to Northwestern. So yeah, it's kind of like, again, it's like the rich get richer, like, you know, like Sam said, defending national champions. But um, for Jordan Hamilton, it's a chance to tack a, you know, play amazing basketball and tack a Stanford graduate degree onto a Northwestern undergraduate degree. Um, why not do this? This, you know, it checks every box. So yeah, good for her. And then um, you kind of finally just wanted to mention uh, a big recruit uh, we got out of Australia, um, Alana Goodchild. Uh, she is on the national uh, under-17 uh, basketball team in Australia, and she's coming to Northwestern. So don't know much about her. She's Australian. I can't not say I sit here and watch you know, Australian high school basketball. What? You don't have any deep, deep, deep cuts for us here. I don't. Deep tape. I don't. But feel free to to do a deep dive and, and get back to us next week. There's a. I mean, there's another player on the team from from Australia, Jess Sancaltado, who you know what was unable to to join the team this past year because of of uh, COVID and travel restrictions and, and and the like. So, um, but you know, Australia, a, a a country that loves the game of basketball, has a lot of young players up and coming. Um, this is you know. This is good news for for Northwestern. I I think uh, a lot a lot to be hoped for in this player. The other interesting thing, like the first the first time we'll see her and the rest of the of the uh, cats on the court, Veronica Burton, you know, presumably at the helm of this team as as the leader, is in the 2021 Paradise Jam in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Um, Northwestern will be playing what is this like uh, basically over Thanksgiving weekend in uh, in St. Thomas. Arizona, DePaul, Pittsburgh, Rutgers, South Dakota, Texas A&M, and Vandy as well Northwestern in this uh, preseason tournament. So that's that's kind of exciting. I feel like Northwestern doesn't often play in these types of tournaments um, on the women's side. And uh, 
heck, uh, if the squad can can you know play like we think they can play, they could. I think they could do quite well in this tournament. Frankly. Absolutely. Uh, anything else to mention before we get out of here today, guys? Just to to round back again to where we started with uh, talking about the summer previews. Again, it's like I you know I think we're probably going to try to do kind of a formal kickoff thing next week. Um, and then the week after that, start right up with them. So this is probably the earliest we've ever started, but it's kind of a response to demand. People really eating these up, really enjoying them. We're glad that you guys love them. We're excited to do them um, and uh, and get, get psyched because we know just like you guys, we're all shifting into college football mode here. And that rides all through the summer and it just builds and builds and builds to a crescendo. And... Um, if you guys feel the way we do, you should be stoked that these things are coming out, um, and uh, we can't wait to bring them to you. And uh, like I said before, tell a friend. Um, give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or whatever uh, podcast app you're listening to us on. Uh, it really does help spread the word. So, um, yeah, definitely appreciate all the ratings, all the reviews. Uh, and keep them coming. It's awesome. Uh, so with that, we'll go ahead and leave it there for tonight. Head to our website, westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Pirates, And you can always email the show, westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. And look for us in the West Slot of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag, because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Skousby, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.